Oh, the video didn't work. All right, let's turn the lights on. Maybe we'll show it at the end or something. All right. Well, I mean, it, it was like watching a kung fu movie. <laughs> what in the world? And let there be light. See, this is what it means to be a church plant. Nothing works. <laughs> uh, but it is what it is, and we're in this building, and God has brought us here, and hopefully we can reboot and show that later. I wanted to show that video because what happened was uh, we were asked to make this video for the church to, to show to see the other churches that have been in support of us. And uh, a Christian friend who is a videographer volunteered to do this, and that job is a $3,000 job, and he did it for free. And so we continue to like be blessed, like everything that we have, all the equipment up here, like the pews and the stuff, like everything that we have has been given to us and provided by God. And we, we continue to be amazed by what God continues to do. And the reason that we're here is some of the stuff that you, that you heard in the prayer. Excuse me, in the prayer, the corporate prayer we read together earlier, what Pastor Brent prayed just a little while ago, what you will eventually see on the video, is that we are here for something other than just to sit in a room on a Sunday morning. That we are here for something greater, way more profound than that, way more meaningful, more impactful for us to actually be involved in each other's lives and for us to serve with one another, serve together, go out into the community, be a blessing to individuals, shine the light of Jesus. And through that, Lord willing, by his grace, through his spirit, we will fill this town and this world with love-filled, faith-filled, hope-filled followers of Jesus. And that's why Anthem Church is here. That's why you're here. That's why we're all here. That's what we're attempting to do. This isn't for our glory. It's for the glory of God. And so there is this incredible, wonderful, majestic mission that God has placed us into, that he's entrusted into us. And that's what we're here for. And I think that's just the stage for what we're about to do this morning. So we have got a lot to cover in a very short amount of time. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and turn in your Bible. If you have a Bible to the book of Acts, that's in the New Testament, in the New Testament, uh, right after the Gospel of John. If you don't have a Bible, we will have the verses on the screen. Okay? And if you don't own a Bible, you may see one of these near you. And this is a free gift from our church to you. So if you don't have a Bible and you'd like one, we believe everyone should have a copy of God's Word. These are not pew Bibles. So these aren't meant for us to use on Sunday mornings and put back. Right? These are, these are a free gift to everybody because they're paperback. And so we don't want to get all tattered and messed up and stuff. But anyway, so that's our gift to you. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 2. Duh. Acts duh. Chapter 2. And we're going to look at verses 42 through 47. Okay? So that's, that's what we're going to do, and as you're turning to Acts chapter 2, let me just explain to you what, what I'm hoping to do this morning. It's a little outside the box. Normally, we take a passage of Scripture, and we teach through it, and we explain it, and, and we, we, we try to get deep into that text. That's not what we're doing this morning. What we're doing is that we're kind of bringing to a conclusion what has been a very lengthy, a very long sermon series. We've spent 12 weeks on a very specific topic, and 12 weeks is a long time. And so uh, we're, I'm not going to really summarize it all because it would take too long, but I want to hit some highlights. And what I will say, like, if this is your first time to Anthem Church or if uh, you've missed a few weeks, we've got all the sermons online. And you can go back, and I would encourage everyone, and it might be a good reminder, even if you've been here, to go back and listen to some of the messages. Uh, so what you go, you do, you go to anthem-church.org. You click on church resources. It'll be on the left, and below that, it'll say sermons online, and you click that, and then you can find all the sermons, and they're by date, by title, and by the, the text that was preached. So that, that's a good reminder, a good way to, to do that. And if you don't have access to a computer or anything like that, let us know, and we'll burn it onto a CD. And maybe you can have it that way. So we're more than happy to do that. Uh, but anyway, so I just want to do some highlighting of some stuff, hopefully encourage you, hopefully remind you of why we're doing what we're doing. Um, what I'm going to also do, I'm going to provide some thoughts, just some kind of pastoral thoughts 
uh, some things that maybe didn't quite fit into one of the sermon series, but were kind of meaningful or profound for me. And so I'm going to just share those with everybody. And at the end, we're going to offer some very specific ways by which we apply all the things that we've talked about. And with that comes taking an, a step. And we believe that everyone, regardless of who you are, where you're at, it, there is a, a forward step that we should all take. Like once we, we re- hear God's word, we're to respond. And there's, so there's something that we should do. Like everyone today should take a step forward in some form or fashion in regards to faith in Jesus. So that's what we're talking about. And so here begins the recap. The name of this, the sermon series has been Freedom. And I genuinely, I know myself and, and Pastor Bren and, and everyone that's a part of Anthem Church, we desire for everyone to enjoy spiritual freedom. Now, what does that mean? What does spiritual freedom mean? It, it means a life of significance. It means a life of meaning, of substance. It, it means a life with direction, right? It's not just flapping around and just making it day to day. It's not that. Right? I, I genuinely believe that what we all crave deep down in, in our hearts, deep down in our soul, is, is a life where we're at peace, right? Even when the, the world is warring against us, right, to be calm through it, right? Isn't that what we genuinely desire? To, to have joy, even though, like, there's chaos and turmoil and strife, to be able to have joy in the midst of troubling times, right? Don't we desire that deep down? To have to have peace, to have joy, to be at rest. Because the reality is that life is traumatizing. Like if it's not one thing, it's another. It's one thing after the other. And just to be able to breathe through our day-to-day life, right? Like that is what we long for. That is what we desire. And that's what spiritual freedom is. And it includes all that other stuff. It's the direction, the meaning, the significance, joy and peace. I would call that the good life. No, that's, that's the blessed life. And, and so that you know this, in the Bible, the word blessed means happy. So when we say, so I want you to be spiritually free, what I'm saying is I want you to be happy. But this isn't trivial, casual, I just happen to wake up on the right side of the bed happy. This is deep-rooted, deep-seated joy in God and, and joy in living the life that he's called us to live. So that's what we mean by freedom. Now, here's the, here's the bad news. And I don't know if all of you are aware of the bad news, but I, I'm going to share the bad news. And the, the bad news is that none of us, not a single person in this room, has been born into that life of freedom. Every single one of us has been born into captivity, into prison, into bondage. Not a single one of us has been born with this freedom that we know deep down inside we genuinely want each and every day of our lives. We are born under like the, the, the ruthless tyranny of sin. And, and sin is this, this spiritual war that we're at. Because the, the, the truth is that, that we're born enemies of God. I don't know if you've ever thought about it in those terms, but we're born hostile toward God and hostile toward the things of God. We're, we're rebellious toward God. And so what sin is, sin is anything that is in opposition to what God desires. Now, and I, and I would say that, that sin is the complete opposite of spiritual freedom. I've used this example in the sermon series. Imagine a fish, and a fish is swimming in the water. That's what fish do, right? And that fish one day says, you know what, I'm tired of being a fish. I'm tired of all this water. I'm tired of being confined to the ocean. I want to jump out of the water and I want to go up on dry land. And so the fish does it. The fish jumps up out of the water and goes ashore. How free is that fish going to be? Not very, right? The best, at best, the fish is flapping around, gasping for breath. But if it was to jump back into the water, it would be free because that's what it was created to do. And freedom is found in our purpose, in what we were created for, in the life that God made us for and has built us for. So, eat, so sin is us trying to jump out of the water, and then all we have are us, ourselves flapping around, gasping for breath. So that's the bad news. The bad news is that that's what we're born into, a fish on dry ground flapping around, gasping for breath. That's prison. That's the bad news. The good news is this. 
we can have spiritual freedom. This calm, this peace, this joy, this rest, right? The good life, it is freely available to all of us. And it's made available to us by Jesus, by Jesus Christ. And, and this is how this works. It's, just so, it's so simple and so profound at the same time. Jesus, who's God, is up in heaven. And he looks down on us, and he has mercy and compassion on us. So he says, I'm going to come down on a rescue mission. And so Jesus comes down, and he's born of a virgin through a supernatural miracle. And God takes on human flesh, human form. And he lives this sinless life like we're supposed to, but we fail to do. And that life ends with Jesus being hung on a cross or nailed to a cross. And what he did in that moment is that he took your sin, he took my sin, and he placed it on his shoulders. He says, I've got it. I've got it. I will absolutely take care of this for you. Because unfortunately, the consequences of sin, of being under its power, is that there are eternal ramifications. There's judgment, and there's wrath, and hell, and I mean, the stuff that we don't want. None of us want. So Jesus says, I got it for you. I love you. I'm going to take that off of you. I'm going to place it on my shoulders. I'm going to bear the burden. And in so doing, by paying that price we should pay, Jesus frees us of sin. He breaks his dominance over us. He, he, he breaks the bondage. Basically, if we're in prison, he slides the door open and lets us out of the prison. Right, that's good news. And that happened through the cross, through his death. He died the death that we deserve to die. He died at the hands of wrath. He died at the hands of holy judgment. And that's what we deserve. But Jesus, and that, that's love. Right? That's the good news. That's the gospel that we talk about, that we sing about, we preach. Jesus rescued for that for us. And now, here's the choice. So the bad news, the good news, the choice. Embrace Jesus or embrace sin. Like, that's the choice before us. Either pursue God and the things of God and pursue grace and pursue God's love, or we pursue the things of the world and we pursue all that stuff that causes the guilt and the shame and, and the fear and the anxiety and the angst. Like, like either we pursue calm and peace and rest and joy and hope, or we pursue the complete opposite of that. Like those are the two choices. There's nothing in between. Like in between doesn't, doesn't exist. It's not a choice. It's one or the other. So do we want to pursue the good news or do we want to kind of stay in prison under the bad news? And my hope and my desire and my prayer is that everyone would choose the good news, right? Because it's freely available. It's not something you earn. It's not something you work for. Jesus says, here, here, you can have it. And so he offers that, that freedom completely by grace for us to have. So at the end of the day, what we have to realize is that sin cannot satisfy us. We were not created in such a way that earthly desires and sinful pursuits can ever fill us up in any way. It just can't. Anger never made anyone happy. Lust never completed or satisfied a person. Envy, gossip, malice, all of that, it, it never goes well for that person. Resentment, bitterness, lying, it just, it never sits well with us. At best, all it does is harden us to it, and that's not a good thing, right? But in the whole time, we're guilty, and we feel bad, and we feel like hypocrites, and we feel like we're, we're, something's not right. You know, uh, addictions, so if it's pornography or if it's some kind of sexual morality, drugs, alcohol, gambling, whatever it may be, that stuff never does what it supposedly says it would promise, it leads us the other way. It leads us into captivity, into bondage. That's all that that is. And Jesus says, I don't want that for you because that's not the good life. That's not the blessed life. That's not right. That's not abundant life. I have something so much better. I have some, some, so much better for you. I have peace. I have joy. I have love. I have kindness. I have compassion, self-control. I have the good life. Do you want it? And that's the choice. So what we have to decide 
is what are we going to do? What are we going to do with that? And if, if you're someone who embraces the gospel, who, who accepts Jesus Christ, not only as Savior, but as Lord, and that's ultimately what Christianity is, right? We say specifically a follower of Jesus. And the reason we always say that when we say our mission statement and all these things is because we want to show that being a Christian is action. There's an activity. There is a succumbing or an, uh, coming under the lordship of Jesus. So we don't just say, Jesus, forgive me, and then go about our business. In that moment of salvation where we're converted, what we're saying is, I am no longer boss. I am no longer managing my life. I now entrust my very soul to Jesus who purchased me. And so now I'm going to commit my life to following him. So if we've done that, then what do we do? We walk with Jesus, right? And those steps, they are what we consider the spiritual disciplines. So in this long 12-week series, what we've been talking about is there's this freedom that's available. We all want it. You get it through Jesus because apart from Jesus, there is no freedom. There's no goodness outside of Jesus. It's in him alone. But once you accept Jesus, then you're supposed to like walk into spiritual disciplines. This is how we flesh out our freedom. This is how we enjoy our freedom. So what are the spiritual disciplines? Worship. So singing God's praises, praising him, uh, you know, whether it's by ourselves or with others. Just being grateful to God. Uh, it includes prayer. So speaking to God. Giving. So being a generous giver. So we're None of us really own anything, right? God owns everything, and he entrusts things to us. So we're to be generous with what it is that God has given to us. Bible study is another uh, discipline. We're, we're actively reading God's word. We're participating in God's word. We're studying it. We're meditating it. We're memorizing it. We're applying it to our lives. Another one is serving. So, so serving is a discipline where we're not just stewarding our money, but we're stewarding our very calendar. We're stewarding our talents and our gifts, and we're appropriating them to be a blessing to others, to serve God. And the other one that we've talked about is Christian community, where by that, what we're talking about is being a church family, where we love each other, where we put the interests of one another ahead of our own, where we actually act and live like brothers and sisters in Christ. And those are the spiritual disciplines. Now, here's the important thing. Doing those things do not make us a Christian. Simply doing those things just to do them is called religion. And religion never helped anyone. Simple ritual does not have any effect or benefit on us. Jesus makes us free. Jesus, by grace through faith, he sets us free. But once we've received that freedom, then we are to walk in that freedom. We're to enjoy that freedom. And the manner in which we do that is by these spiritual disciplines, by the worship and the prayer and the giving and the Bible study and the serving and the Christian community. Is that clear? That makes sense, everybody? So, if, so here's the question, really. Are you enjoying a life of freedom? Are you spiritually free? Are you, are you joyful? Are you happy? Are you at peace? Are you at rest? In the good times and the bad. Now, if you answer the question and, and the answer is no, then it's one of two reasons or maybe both, okay? First of all, it may be that you've never actually accepted Jesus Christ, right? Because it begins there. There has to be a moment where you place your trust and your faith in Jesus and who he is and what he's done and what he's going to do. There has to be a moment where you commit your life to him. And if that hasn't happened yet, then there is no freedom. Because apart from Jesus, there is no freedom. He is the very definition of freedom. It's found in him. Now, if you have done that in your life, like at some point, you say, absolutely, I commit my life to Jesus. My sins are forgiven. I've repented from everything. And I give my life to him. But you still find that I'm not really enjoying the life that the Bible says that I should be enjoying, then it may very well be that it's because you're neglecting one or more, if not all, of the spiritual disciplines in your daily life. Because again, this is how we live the life that Jesus has called us to. So we'll throw this verse up on the screen, Galatians chapter 5, 
verse 1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So again, he makes us free. Jesus makes us free. For freedom, Jesus has made us free. But he says, stand firm. So, like, dig in your heels. Hunker down. Right? Get in a three-point stand. Get, get, up, get up on your toes. Get into an athletic spiritual position. Right? And guard it. And safeguard it. It's the gospel of Jesus. It's the good news. Guard it. It's a treasure. It's, it guarantees. It gives you freedom. It gives you calm, joy, peace, rest, love, kindness, gentleness. It gives you everything that your soul hungers for and desires. Guard it. And the way we do this is by worship and prayer, and giving, and Bible study, and serving in Christian community. So, again, are you enjoying this life that Jesus has promised? Because he says, I give life abundantly, right? So it's not just kind of sort of little itty-bitty trickle-down life, right? I mean, this this is the good stuff, and he gives us a lot. So if you're missing out on this life that Jesus has promised, is it because maybe you, it, it's never been real? Your heart has never actually grabbed the gospel and the, the, the forgiveness of Jesus through the cross? Or perhaps is it that some of these disciplines just are kind of not really present and active in your life? Okay? So... That's, that's the whole premise of the series, where we've been. I, I wish I had time to actually go through each of the six that we've covered, because we've been like two weeks on each. It, we would be here a long time for, to even summarize it. What I am going to do, I'm going to, for the next six weeks, I'm going to blog it. I'm going to blog little summaries of each of the six over the next six weeks. I'll post them, and depending on time of the week, I'll probably link it to our newsletter. So if you don't get our newsletter, um, you can sign up for that at the info table afterwards. I think, yeah, there's the block spot address um, if you want to go to it at some point. But I'm just going to summarize it there. And over the six weeks, it'll be good because it'll be a constant reminder because we don't hear— it's funny, right? We've spent 12 weeks on this. I guarantee you, like an hour after this sermon, we're going to have to be reminded— Again, so it's always good to be reminded of these things. Uh, what I'm going to do for the next little bit, I'm just going to share some thoughts, some convictions that have been impressed upon me as I've studied this and I've walked through these spiritual disciplines. Some of these are going to sound familiar. Some of these um, just didn't quite fit into a sermon, so I kind of had a legal pad and I was just writing thoughts there and they're piling up. So uh, anyway, I, I just want to share a few of these. And uh, I do hope that this is encouraging, it's illuminating, that it will teach you, and that it will actually motivate you to apply these so that you can enjoy the freedom that Jesus has won for you. Sound good? Sound good? All right. First, number one, the spiritual disciplines are hard. Excuse my rocket science here, but uh, I'm sorry for stating what is unbelievably obvious but the spiritual disciplines require discipline and discipline for most of us if not all of us is particularly difficult right being disciplined it it, christianity is hard work jesus never said that being a christian is easy it's a free gift of grace right so we don't earn it but man he says take up your cross and follow i mean that there's there's some self-denial that stuff is hard Right? So living it out and doing the disciplines requires discipline and it's, it's, it's difficult for us to do. Think about health, physical health. Lo- losing weight and being healthy, tough. Gaining weight and being unhealthy, very easy. Okay? Exercising, watching your diet, hard. Eating Cheetos on the couch, easy. Right? Now, in, in, in some of you know this, about a month ago, I found out that I was, I'm dealing with, like, some severe blood pressure issues. Uh, at, at its height, the highest that I saw it was at 158 over, like, 117, which is medically, I'm a heartbeat away from a stroke. Literally. And I have a friend, a close friend, Pastor Clay at Explore Church, from which most of us, a lot of us came from. He had a stroke a few years ago. Uh, that put some major fear into me. 
Unfortunately, it caused so much stress in the moment, my blood pressure went up. Um, so I kid you not, in that moment, there was a complete reversal in my life. There was a 180-degree lifestyle change. In that moment, my calories got reduced significantly. My fat intake and trans fat intake got reduced dramatically. My sodium intake is down to, I believe, one grain of salt a day. Um, And I started exercising. And in less than four weeks, my blood pressure is now like 125 over 85. Without meds. Without medication. Right? And it's still a little high. You know, they usually lower it. It's not, it used to be 120 over 80. It's normal now. They actually want it lower than that. So it's still a little high. But my, the point is, it, I, I, I heard the bad news, so I instantly was alarmed. I was at risk, and I don't want Jamie to be widowed in her 30s, and I don't want my children to grow up without a father, right? I want to be here for a while, right, serving them and, and serving you guys and doing what God has called me to. But I was at risk, and I was putting my family at risk because I wasn't being healthy in what I was doing. And I promise you that cutting out the salt and the fat from my diet is not easy. I love food. I genuinely do. And it's, it's such a terrible thing because it's actually my coping mechanism. It's my comfort thing. Like when I get down, depressed, tired, upset, whatever, I want to eat. And not just eat, I want to eat salt. Like that's just, that's just me. I'm not, I don't like sweets. I don't care for sweets. I want salt. The only reason I ever eat grits is because it's a delivery device for sodium <laughs> and butter. Right? That's the only reason I, I, I love grits. Yeah, because it's saturated in salt and butter. Right? That, that's why. I don't want popcorn without salt and butter. Right? That's, that's how I am. But I, ch- I gladly have given those things up and started working out and, and, and doing all that because I want to be healthy and I don't want to be at risk anymore. It's the same way spiritually. Many of us are walking around and we are walking one heartbeat from a spiritual stroke. Okay? We, we have spiritual high blood pressure. And, and the question, and, and what I mean by that, the way you know if you have spiritual high blood pressure is, are you even enjoying the rest and the joy and the peace and the calm? Because if you're not, you're, you're right there at the spiritual stroke category. And the question is, are you going to have the lifestyle change? Will you have the lifestyle change? Will you commit to the prayer and to the worship and to the Bible study? Will you commit that so that you're no longer at risk and so that those that you love are no longer at risk? Because spiritually, I don't live in a void. My, my spiritual health affects my family. It affects my church. It affects my town. So if I'm at risk spiritually, I'm putting others at risk. So if that's true, if you're not enjoying, if you're not spiritually healthy, will you commit to doing the hard stuff. And it's hard. It's, there's nothing, nothing at all easy about, about the spiritual disciplines, but the, the reality is that the benefits way overshadow the cost. It's way better to be walking in stride with Christ and enjoying the blessing than it is to stray away from God and then be in the midst of chaos and distress and despair and, and all of that. All right, now, because it is very difficult, and I admit that the spiritual dif- disciplines are very hard for us to commit to and stick to, here's what we do. Pray. Pray like you've never prayed for anything else. Pray for God to do a work in you that you may be, have the capacity to live this life that he's called you to do. So it tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So there's the good news in there is that it says that God himself is the one who works in us so that we can do the hard stuff, so that we can do the work. Okay? And if you pray, God, do a mighty work in me, do a mighty work in me so that I can live the life that you want me to live, I promise this, he will do it because that, that prayer honors God. It's as simply just asking to God what he already said he would do. Now, here's the one thing about prayer that I've learned in, in the last month or two. Um, you've heard the expression, practice what you preach? Okay, let me tweet that a little bit. Practice what you pray. Practice what you pray. 
there's a reason why a lot of our, our, our prayers fall flat and don't ever accomplish anything or do anything. It's because we sit down and we pray, God, do this, this, and this, but we never move. And the, the, the right way to pray is that we pray in humility. We pray in dependence on God. We pray, God, I want to pray. Help me to pray. I struggle with prayer. I don't want to get up in the morning and do it. I don't do it all day. I want to pray. But then you step forward and start praying. Does that make sense? Like if we only sit back and wait for God to do everything, God's like, I, I, no. There has to be a walking, right? We refer to Christianity as walking with Jesus. So our prayer can't just be talk. Our prayer has to be walk. And so there has to be a follow-up. There has to be an exertion of ourselves. We wait for God to make it easy for us to wake up at 4 a.m. to pray for three hours. And God may do that, but typically, in my experience, is the way that God changes my heart so that I may serve is that I start serving first. And then he blows it up, right? And then it becomes overwhelming and overfilling. But our thing is we got to step into it. we got to actually stride with Jesus, and then, like, the good stuff happens. All right, next one. Number two, spiritual disciplines are ways of gospeling ourselves. What I mean by that is that by, when we practice the spiritual disciplines, they are ways that we preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus, to our own selves. These are ways of reminding ourselves of who we are in Christ, our identity in Christ, that we're followers of Jesus. So it works like this. Uh, a while ago, we're all standing together and we're singing, right? We're worshiping God. But what are we singing? We're singing truth. We're, we, we, we pick our songs very carefully. We don't pick fluff. We, we pick theology and Bible. That's what we sing. So when we worship, we're reminding our own hearts why we worship and who it is that we're worshiping. You know, so we, we gospel ourselves as we practice that discipline. The same thing when uh, we pass the offering basket or when you, you give online, if you happen to do it that way. It's like, it isn't simply like dropping a check or cash into a basket. It's like sitting there and going, Lord, you have given so much to me. I'm just going to give a portion back to you. Jesus, you emptied yourself out for me, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to empty something out for you, right? That's, that's what giving is. So we're practicing the gospel as we give. Same thing with serving. When, when we come on a Sunday and we serve in, in some area in the church or something else that we may do, what you're saying is like, Jesus, you came down ahead from heaven to serve me. Because that's what Jesus did. When he lived for us and died for us, and was raised to newness and life for us, he served us. The God of the universe served us. So as we serve in whatever area we serve in, at home, at church, in the community, we're, we're acting out what Jesus did for us. So we're gospeling ourselves. We're reminding ourselves of the gospel. And it does work the other way around as well. In, 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 in this way. Um, by doing the spiritual disciplines, you remind yourself of the gospel. But as you remind yourself of the gospel, it motivates you to do the disciplines. So as I remind myself, I don't make myself acceptable to God. Jesus made me acceptable to God. Well, because Jesus already made me acceptable, now I want to be or live a life that is acceptable to God. And so it fuels, it, it motivates us to pray. It motivates us to worship. It motivates us to give because we're, we're so filled with the goodness of God, the greatness of his mercy and his compassion, that it says, all right, what can I do? How should I apply this? I want to live in my freedom out, out now. All right. Then the next one, number three, the spiritual disciplines are ways of gospeling others. So the previous one is how we gospel ourselves, but this is how we gospel others. Um, a way of saying this is as we do the spiritual disciplines, as we practice these daily, we actually are telling other people about Jesus and, and reminding them about Jesus. So the spiritual disciplines are what you might call evangelistic in that they're ways of sharing our testimony, sharing the truth and the love of God with other people. So if it's someone that's a non-Christian, as we do this, they, they witness it and they see it. And Lord willing, they're drawn to God. And, and another thing it does is that as I practice the spiritual disciplines, it compels those who are believers, it reminds them, and it helps them, it encourages them. So let's take music, for example, because I love music and spiritual worship and, and what we do here with song on Sunday mornings. 
worship is evangelistic in that if we're singing God's praises and there's someone in here who does not know God, who hasn't committed their life to Jesus, the worship of God's people draws that individual to God. And, And Scripture bears witness to this. And it works the other way too, where as God's people are singing and praising, it actually encourages believers in their walk. I, personally, my favorite moments in, in the music says when we go a cappella, and I can actually hear the, the, the voices of my brothers and sisters in Christ singing the truth and the love of God. So it encourages me. It reminds me. And the same thing goes with all the other spiritual disciplines. So there are ways of telling and sharing and reminding, either through our action or through our speaking. All right, number four, the spiritual disciplines make us deep. Here's a quote from a guy named Richard Foster. Superficiality is the curse of our age. The doctrine of instinct satisfaction is a primary spiritual problem. The desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. What this world desperately needs is people of character. Men and women of integrity. That's what the world needs. And what that, what that looks like is that are we maturing in our faith in Jesus? Are we, are we mature and or maturing in the faith? Are we growing in the knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And it's not just growing in knowledge because true biblical knowledge is actually doing it. That's what wisdom looks like. So a deep person not only knows, but they do. And this is what our spouse needs. Our spouse needs us to be deep. This is what our children need. Our children need us to be deep. Our neighbors need us to be deep. Our church needs us to be deep. Andrew needs us to be deep. The world needs us to be deep, right? That we reflect the character of Christ, that we, we come into the world with the wisdom of God, like on us and around us, and that we're carrying out the light of Jesus. Like that is depth, living and doing the gospel. And, and how do we grow in depth? Worship, prayer, giving, Bible study, serving, and community. It's how it happened. It doesn't take place otherwise. Number five, spiritual disciplines simplify our lives. They don't make our life easy, but they simplify our lives. Let me explain that. As these become routine in our day, it, it aligns our lives the way they're supposed to be. They focus our heart and mind the right way on what truly matters. They, they give, they, it's a way of emphasizing ourselves in what truly matters. Am I, am I making sense with this? All right, it's not easy. It doesn't mean you're less busy. It just means that you're busy with the good stuff. It means that it's the right busy. It's God-centered busy. And here's what happens, that when we center our lives around the love of God and the grace of God, the truth of God, as we start acting out and exercising these disciplines, it straightens us out. Why? Because it puts God first. So it prioritizes God. And then everything else just lines up after that. And Jesus himself said it, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and then all these other things will be added unto me. So it'll, it'll simplify your life. It won't make it less busy. It won't make it easier, but it'll simplify it. And who wants a more simple life? Yeah, I mean, I do, right? I don't want chaos or distress. I want to be calm in the midst of it all. I want peace and rest, joy. Okay, how do we do that? How does it simplify our lives? It is through the disciplines. Number six, spiritual disciplines are how we become love-filled, faith-filled, hope-filled followers of Jesus. That is our mission. The mission of Anthem Church is to fill Andrew and the world with love-filled, faith-filled, hope-filled followers of Jesus. Why love, faith, and hope, you may ask, and I'm glad that you did because I'm about to answer it right now. The reason why is because those are the three characteristics of what it means to be a healthy follower of Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian. And that's what it means to be a healthy church. Why love, faith, and hope? That's what Jesus brought to the table for us. That's, like, that's what he holds out for us. So when we say we want people to be love-filled, faith-filled, hope-filled, what we're saying is we want people to be like Jesus. 
We want people to grow in Christ's likeness, to be holy. And folks, that is the goal of it all. I'll let the cat out of the bag right now, right? Like that's, that's the whole grand purpose of everything, holiness. God set everything in motion. He created the universe, made this planet, put us in it. Jesus came, saved us. He's coming back one day. Why? To set a people apart for his own glory. To set a people so he could love forever, who would love him forever. A holy, spotless, blameless people. That's the goal. It actually tells us that in Scripture. That one day, the church, God's people, are going to be presented before Jesus, holy, spotless, and blameless. Well, if that's God's vision, if that's God's mission, man, let's practice the discipline so that one day, God's vision and mission may be fulfilled in our lives and in our world, right? And that one day, we will be presented a good gift to the one who died for us. So it's ways of, of, of growing. Like, this is how you grow in love, faith, and hope. It's you practice these disciplines Daily. Number seven, the last one. The spiritual disciplines are corporate activities. Yes, pray on your own. Yes, read the Bible on your own. But the riches, the depth, the goodness, like the totality of everything that we can benefit from, from the spiritual disciplines, are found in doing them together. And that is why I want us to read now Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. These verses tell us what living the disciplines out together as a body of believers, as a church, what it actually, literally, physically, tangibly looks like. Acts chapter 2, verse, verse 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, And breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So, verse 42. They devoted themselves, that they are Christians, followers of Jesus, those who had placed their faith in the work and the person of Jesus Christ. They devoted themselves. Here's what's really cool. The, the verb devoted in the original Greek that this was written in, it doesn't mean devoted in the sense that they one time walked an aisle or one time signed a card or one time made a decision. It was devoted in the sense of regularly, consistently, always, every day, all the time, regularly, chronically devoting themselves, like devoting themselves over and over again. Does that make sense? So they're devoting themselves regularly, chronically, all the time, every day, consistently, constantly devoting themselves to what? Number one, it says to the apostles' teachings. What does that mean? God's word, the shorthand for God's word. So they devoted themselves. They, they gave themselves to, they submitted themselves over to Bible study, to the spiritual discipline of Bible study, reading it, studying it, doing it together, applying it, learning from it. The second thing that they devoted themselves to, it says in verse 42, is fellowship, a.k.a. Christian community. The word fellowship there is the Greek word koinonia. It's kind of a famous Greek word, koinonia. Sounds kind of good, koinonia. Um, it actually literally means sharing in something with someone above and beyond. That's what koinonia means. That's what true Christian fellowship is. Sharing with someone in something that is above and beyond. Well, what's above and beyond? God. The gospel, Jesus. So we're sharing that which is above and beyond. And because we share that which is above and beyond, then we share with one another in our lives above and beyond. So Christian fellowship is not casual or shallow. There's a depth to it, right? It's where we're sharing the, the, the depths of our heart and our lives with one another. That's Christian fellowship. That's what it means to be a Christian family. So this early church in Acts chapter 2, they were devoted to Bible study. They were devoted to Christian community. Number three, they were devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. So at the very least, what does that mean? They ate together, right? At the very least. So all the time, they were together eating food. 
and in each other's homes and cooking for one another. And just there's a reality, right, that there's something very unique that happens when you share a meal with someone. There's a bit of genuineness or, or uh, authenticity, sincerity uh, that happens there, closeness that happens when you enjoy a meal together. You slow down and talk over a meal. Some people think that the, the phrase there, breaking a bread, refers to taking the Lord's Supper. Maybe, maybe not. If it does, what does Jesus say about the Lord's Supper? You know, communion. He says to do it regularly, to practice it regularly, which is why we do it at least once a month at Anthem Night. It's a, a worship event that we do here once a month, Sunday evenings, usually around 6 o'clock or so. Uh, but it's, this is an act of worship. So they're, if, if, they're, if it's just eating, we're supposed to be doing that all the time with one another. If it's talking about the Lord's Supper, we're supposed to be doing that together all the time with one another. So, but they're devoted to that. And if it's just eating, that's one of the reasons why once a month we have lunch in our wonderful fellowship hall on the other side of that wall and if you didn't know about it that's fine we've got plenty of food we always have enough food hang out stay with us actually and if you didn't bring anything no one even knows because people just drop it off and no one knows who brought what so it's good so just come and enjoy just come and eat just hang out with us let's hang out together all right uh number four they devoted themselves to the prayers to the prayers it's interesting that he doesn't say they devoted themselves to prayer. He says they devoted themselves to the prayers. D-A. <laughs> the prayers. All right. The difference there is this. They devoted themselves to specific prayer for one another. So they, they, in, they were so close to one another that they knew how to pray specifically for one another. They shared prayer requests. So they prayed with each other, they prayed for each other, they knew how to pray, and they devoted themselves over and over again, every day, constantly, consistently, regularly, to praying for one another. All right, so here's the point. Verse 42 shows us what it means to practice the spiritual disciplines. Say it with me. Together. Together. This is how we do it. This is the point. How we do Bible study, how we do Lord's Supper, how we do worship, how we do prayer, how we do Christianity together. That's the point of verse 42. In verse 43, it's cool that it says in verse 43, right after it talks about those four things, that there were signs and wonders and miracles that God was performing. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. Could it be that the reason we don't see mass, wonderful, crazy movements of God in our lives, in the life of a church, in the life of a community, is because God's people aren't practicing these together? I wonder what would happen if we dedicated, devoted ourselves to do this life together, could it be that God would move in miraculous ways? Even if he doesn't, they're still good and right to do. But man, that's a nice carrot, right? Verse 44, it specifically tells us that they're together, so they're devoted to being together. Verse 45, it says that they sold the things that they owned and took the proceeds to give to those who were in need. So together, they're practicing which spiritual discipline? Generous giving, right? So there you have that one thrown in the mix. Verse 46 tells us that they are attended the temple every day. Verse 47 asks that they're praising God. So what are they doing? They're practicing the spiritual discipline of? Worship together, right? All the time, every day. And here's what's neat. They didn't have to go to the temple to worship. Because Christians, we don't have to go to a specific place to worship. And anywhere we are, we worship there, right? They didn't have to go to the temple. Why did they go to the temple? Because that's where everyone else was. They went, in other words, they were on mission. They went to where other people were, that they may tell other people and show their faith to others. Okay? So it's the spiritual discipline of mission there, which we haven't really talked about. Implicit in all these verses, in 42 and 47, they were serving each other. They're cooking meals for one another. They're selling the stuff and giving to one another. They're spending time together. They're praying for one another. They're doing Bible study together. They're serving one another. And what is the result of all of that? In that last verse, in verse 47, it tells us that God is adding to their numbers every day. In other words... Because they're practicing the spiritual disciplines with one another as a Christian family, because of that, they started something. They began to fill the world with love-filled, faith-filled, hope-filled followers of Jesus because they did this together. So how are we, how is Anthem Church, how are we going to do this together? Um, 
I've asked a few people, if they would, to, to come forward and um, to share. This is going to take a few minutes. Um, to share how we as Anthem Church, how we, w- some of the ways that we're going to practice these dis- disciplines together. So I'm going to ask my bride, my exquisite, lovely bride here, to come forward. And Jamie is currently over our children's area and administering that. I mean, she works with Justin Casper to a great degree on this because he works with the older kids. So she's over really preschool and over like the, the younger kids up through fifth grade, that kind of thing. All right, so I'm going to ask these folks the same three questions to make it easy. Right? You ready? I'm ready. ready. She loves public speaking. You can tell, right? Glad to be here. <laughs> All right. So the first question is, what, what is involved in working in the children's ministry area? All right. Um, in our children's ministry area on Sunday mornings, um, we have need for people to care for children, to teach children about God's word, and teach them about Jesus, and to pray with them. Um, we have... It's a great opportunity to get to share Christ's love in a very practical way with these children, and um, there's not really a more rewarding group to to share Christ with than than children. It's very um, there's nobody's more enthusiastic or that's true. And and there's lots of fun to be had. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Silly games and silly games, laughing, laughing babies to snuggle, babies to snuggle. That's good stuff. And how have you personally been blessed by working in the children's area? Well, in honestly, the children's area is not the area that I would feel most comfortable or feel like I'm really gifted to to fill that role. So it's um, it's been a stretch for me, and it's taken me out of my comfort zone a little bit. To but there was a need, so here I am, and it's it's rewarding and humbling to to serve where there's a need, even if it's not really your thing. That's true. I mean, it's, that's just a reality. It's, we don't always get to do everything we want to do uh, or that feels the most comfortable. Sometimes God uses that to refine us, to stretch us, to humble us. And it's, just, it's a good thing. I mean, it, this is true of every Christian at pretty much every, to- every point in their life. So mm-hmm. last question uh, is what? <laughs> is uh, why should a person get involved in the children's ministry? Well, like I said, there is a great need. Um, I would like for us to have the people serving in there only need to be in once a month so that the other weeks that they're able to be in here in service. And we do have a great team holding it together um, in there, but I'd like to be able to expand the team so that everybody could be serving once a month. Um, it's also our, our mission at Anthem to, to fill Andrew in the world with these followers of Jesus, and um, our children are part of that, and perhaps our greatest mission field and responsibility to, to raise our own children together properly, and um, it's a way that we can work together to, to serve right. them. Cool. Thank you. All right. Yeah. All right. So there is a way in the children's areas for us to practice the spiritual discipline of community, because kids need community too, right? And the spiritual discipline of serving, because we're serving them. It's a spiritual discipline of Bible study, because we're teaching them about Jesus. And there is no more important mission field than raising up the next generation. And it doesn't matter how big our church gets if our children don't come to know Jesus. All right? So that, that is what's most important. So like Jamie said, there, there's a handful of people that are holding it together. Uh, but we, we need some more help. We need more hands in there helping out. So if you're a follower of Jesus, we'd love your help there. Next person is going to be the president himself, Mr. John Adams. All right? And uh, what, uh, what John is currently overseeing, him along with his wife Paige, is that they're kind of all things outreach. So when we go door-to-door, like we did yesterday, uh, when we are going to do some of the bigger events in town, like the Crate Myrtle Festival, volunteering at that, the Bike Fest, the Kids Community in Christ, uh, what we did back last Christmas at Christmas at, on the Square, you know, that there was a living nativity scene that we were a part of, and we made one of the, the things there, uh, like the big angel scene, which was really cool, and it's gotten a lot of press. Which, so, uh, so that's you got, and then also the free, the free yard sale. So they're overseeing that together, um, and so tell us what's involved with it. All right. One thing I was just thinking is uh, we could change the song that we sang today, Greater Things Are Yet to Come, Greater Things Are Still to Be Done in Anger. So let's throw that word in there. So that way we can uh, a little personalize it a little bit more. Uh, but the question was, 
what do you what's involved what's like involved? if someone wants to be a part of if it, you want to be involved in this if you can walk if you can you're mobile you can get to uh, any of these events if you can smile uh if you can hand things out uh if you can uh uh well i'll tell you the one thing we did the crepe myrtle festival we did that one last year before anthem was even meeting uh here in the building and it was awesome uh to see the church that was forming uh already there we didn't have a building uh we didn't have anything yet except a group that knew that this is where god was calling us to plant the church uh and it was a matter of, of going out and helping folks uh can you talk to someone and help them pick things up, pack things up uh, at the festival. Um, uh, can you donate your time? Can you, uh, any of these things. I mean, the, the, the things that we're going to be involved in the town, the Crepe Myrtle Festival, uh, the bike festival that's coming up, um, kids in uh, community in Christ, you know, that's going to be uh, us doing some face painting, um, uh, passing out information to other families who are, want to know about our church, want to know about Christ, want to know about these things. So that's all you need. You just need to uh, have a desire to get out and you know, serve. Okay. How have you personally benefited from that kind of stuff? Personally, uh, it's, uh, it's humbling just to be able to go out. You know, uh, Christ never sat in a temple and said, come to me. You know, Christ went out. Christ walked. He traveled from town to town. You know, he's asking us to just travel here in town. You know, and it's uh, to be able to go out and give something away and not expecting anything in return, not wanting anything in return. You know, just to be able to help somebody. That has been rewarding uh, for me because it's, it's more of what Christ has called us to do. And so, in 30 seconds or less, why should someone be a part of it? Because that's what Christ asked us to do. There you go. Simple enough. I mean, it's really that simple, right? I mean, Jesus has served us, so we should serve others. And uh, thank you. Thank you. All right, that's, that's just it. Here's what happens in a lot of churches if they're not careful. It all becomes about what happens within these four walls or whatever their four walls are. That is part of church, but not everything. And we're supposed to be out there. And what I loved about yesterday, we had 19 adults, a bunch of children. Uh, we went door to door, and it's just, just trying to be nice and friendly. It's a bit intimidating. It's awkward, right? It's funky. Uh, you do it a few times, it starts getting in your blood. And it's just about being active and being the church and being to others what Jesus has been to us. Okay? All right. The uh, third person is Mr. Jimmy Bong. All right, and uh, what Jimmy oversees is our work over at Andrew Elementary School. So we've adopted this school as a church to serve at. So, Jimmy, tell us, what is involved in helping out and volunteering at Andrew Elementary School? Uh, well, Rick and I talked with the principal at Andrew Elementary last year, and we told her we wanted to start small. We want to do whatever we do well. We don't want to overcommit um, and not be able to fulfill you know, what we're saying we're able to do. So right now... Uh, we're doing a few little things. Once a month, we're sponsoring their faculty meeting, so we're taking snacks. It's as simple as picking up some Little Debbies and some bottles of water and dropping it off at the school. We've got two or three families doing that right now. I would love for them to see a different family every month. So maybe you go once every couple of years. Um, I would love to build up enough people to do that. Um, we want to get involved in mentoring some students, so going out once a week, helping kids with reading, their homework, getting ready for EOGs, just building relationships. Uh, we want to build relationships with the teachers. Rick and I have talked about uh, getting some folks together and going out and helping them set up their classrooms next year. If you've seen elementary classrooms, that takes a lot of work. Uh, we want to provide lunches at the end of the year for the teachers, just to encourage them. Uh, so we want to find as many avenues as possible to build, uh, not just relationships, but intentional relationships. Okay, good. How have you personally been blessed by serving in those areas? Uh, this ministry is fairly new, um, so I can speak mainly to my almost 10 years in public education now, which feels more like 30 some days. Um, but it's in several ways, uh, like somebody else mentioned, I've been refined um, and worked on and developed into who God wants me to be through my time in public education and building relationships with families and students. Um, it's not because of my skill set. My university supervisor, when I student talk, couldn't even hear me from the back of the room. 
Um, I was so quiet and shy. Uh, so he's taken me uh, and grown me and stretched me through uh, the relationships that I've built there. Um, I've started in education with the thought that I could reach others for Christ, and that's certainly been a part of it. I've built a lot of relationships with kids, with families that have been positive. But I think we can overlook the opportunity to encourage the believers that are there, uh, be it students, families, but build them up so that they're able to go out and do what we're trying to do also. That's a, a big part of it. Okay, and so why should someone get involved? Uh, it's a great avenue to build, like I said, not just relationships, but intentional relationships. Um, if we're just getting out and doing all the stuff that we're doing for the sake of checking it off of a, you know, a checklist, um, we're no different than anybody else in the world. But if we're doing it with the intention of you know, giving ourselves opportunity to share Jesus, um, it's a great way to do that. Right. Okay. Thank you. Uh, you may not know this. Andrew has an inordinate number of children per capita. It is 12% to 13% above the national average. A lot of children in town, um, and parents need help. And so that's why we're serving in the schools. Uh, Our teachers serve our children. They're doing the best they can. We're just trying to be a blessing to them and help them, again, raise the next generation. All right, last person I'm going to call forward is Miss Vonda Gray. And uh, Miss Vonda, she... Uh, oversees our host team and our first impressions stuff. And so I'm going to ask her the same three questions, which is what is involved with the host team and first impressions ministries? Well, mainly that involves um, cleaning the building in the common areas because the children's ministry, they do a great job of cleaning their areas, Um, setting up for the special events like anthem nights and the lunches like we're having today. I hope you all stay and eat with us. And greeting um, is another big thing. And who hasn't had, I mean, most of us have had at least one Sunday morning in our life that things don't go like peachy keen getting out the door. And it's nice to walk up and have someone greet us with a smile. You know, for me, I know there's been times where I'm, it's just turned my focus to why I'm here and, and helped me to refocus. Okay. How have you personally been blessed by serving in that area? Well, the main thing for me is watching others discover and exercise their gifts and the joy that they have in that it spurs me on to want to serve and do more as well it it really does and um, a couple of examples this week uh, different people helped me set up for the lunch and this week I had uh, Donya and her kids so we've got youth and children that are so excited to come and help and serve I mean how cool is that and then Emily just a couple weeks ago was talking about getting to go and greet some new people and how excited she was and that's just a passion for her and she loves that and and it's just great and I know that's not necessarily everyone isn't necessarily as excited about going and meeting strangers but there's there's other jobs and things that all need to be done and we all pull together and it's a team and that's also humbling to me to see everybody coming together and serving it's just really cool to okay me. so why should someone serve on that <laughs> well you know We love because God loved us first. We serve because Christ came to to serve, not to be served. And that's the example that he has for us, and that's what he calls us to do. And so it's a way to love others and to serve God, serve others. There you go. Um, We could go on and on about a lot of several other ministries, but we wanted to highlight these because these are specific ways that we want to be on mission together. These are ways we're going to practice the spiritual disciplines together. Uh, Other things like we worship together, not just on Sunday mornings. We do that once a month, Sunday evening, anthem night where we're here. We spend extra time in music, spend some time in prayer, take the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is an act of worship. It's a spiritual discipline. So it's baptism. So at the one that we have coming up in a few weeks, three people are getting baptized so we celebrate it we celebrate that and so if there's anyone else who's never received believers baptism if you're curious about it not sure what that means or what that is uh if you're a follower of jesus that should be the next step so talk to me about that we love that and then also another opportunity to worship together on thursday april 17th we're going to have what is called a Monday thursday service this is some people call it holy thursday it's the thursday before easter and it's it's a celebration or an observance of jesus last moments with his disciples before the crucifixion and so it is a great time to just 
think and meditate and contemplate and worship God and prepare ourselves for that Sunday when we celebrate the resurrection. So those are ways that we worship together. Uh, other ways that we practice the spiritual disciplines, join a small group. If you're not in a small group, be a part of what we call our A-teams, adult small groups that meet during the week. We have two on Tuesday, one on Wednesday, a women's group that meets every other Thursday on uh, in the morning, every other Thursday, and then like last night, our, our, some of our ladies got together, had a meal together. I mean, that's, that's Christian community, right? All of that. And it's in the small groups where we pray together, we get to know each other, we serve one another. Um, so clearly, you know, uh, join a small group. A few other ways, we got youth ministry. We need help with our youth. We want to disciple them. We want to mentor them. They meet at 6 o'clock here on Sunday night. So we need people that are, are willing to teach them or, or hang out with them. Uh, another thing is we got a trip going to Haiti this summer. There's five of us that are going to Haiti this summer. And so how can you be a part of that? Well, if you want to go, let me know, and you can be part of the trip because we want some extra people to go with us. Uh, if you can't go, you can support it financially. So there's you can serve by going. You can practice spiritual discipline by giving on top of your tithing offering. You know that this is something that's extra. And what we said a couple of months ago, if 25 of us would be willing to give a $160 toward it, we got this, all right? And so I think we're on our way. We're doing really well, but I mean, you could support it that way. So anyway, that's how we close this series, that there is to be this, this togetherness in doing church together. Here, here's what it is. To walk in freedom, we have to walk in freedom together. If we really want to practice these disciplines and enjoy the blessing that Jesus had so freely offers, we got to do this together. You know, I, I would define Anthem Church as, as a simple gathering of very ordinary people who've been radically transformed by the extraordinary good news of Jesus. Right? Jesus has rescued us from darkness. He's, he's freed us from darkness. He's, by grace through faith, through his death, like he's drawn us into his marvelous light. And if that's true, if that is true of us, then let's walk in freedom, but let's do that together. Let's walk in freedom together. And you know what will happen if we do that? We will fill this town with free people. We'll begin to fill this world with free people. We'll begin to fill Andrew in the world with love-filled, faith-filled, hope-filled followers of Jesus. Who's in this together? Anybody? Let's raise our hands. All right, let's let everybody know. Who's in this together? All right, very good. All right, good. Let's, let's bow our head and pray. Lord, Father, we thank you so much for this morning. I, I thank you for coming to the end of this sermon series and all that we've learned and all that we've discussed, and all that we're looking to apply, Lord, and we ask for your help because this is hard. But we thank you that you've given us a church family where we could do this together, Lord. We're not on our own. You don't want us to do this on our own, Lord. You help us, our brothers and sisters in Christ help us. Lord, we thank you for the gospel that we celebrate. Thank you for Jesus and the shed blood. We praise you for the resurrection. We praise you that you set us free from the bondage that we're born into, Lord. You desire, you desire to give us your love, your grace, to change us, that we may be people who live for your glory, Lord. Thank you. And Lord, if there's anyone in this room who has not accepted the gospel, who's never made that first step of faith, Lord, I pray that they do so right now. Lord, that person can do it right now in the privacy of their own heart, where they're sitting, Lord. Pray that you just knock on their heart and that they would open the door to you and that you would rescue them, Lord. They would repent of their sin and give their life over to you and experience love and joy and peace and hope, Lord. The life, the good life, the blessed life. And for the rest of us who are believers, Lord, help us to walk this freedom walk, to walk in this newness of life, to enjoy the good life that you so desire for us to live. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Let's stand and worship together one last song. Mm -hmm.